0: Hello, my name is Terence Huang, and you're listening to Now We're Talking, a podcast that explores and celebrates the stories of young adults. Today, we'll be talking to my friend Rachel Wong, who currently studies law at the University of York. Hope you enjoy. Hey, Rachel, thank you for coming onto the podcast. Glad to have you here.
1: Hi, Terence. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. Um, So for those who don't know you, do you want to kind of tell people a bit about yourself and in general like where you studied um and kind of an overview of your life experiences
1: yeah for sure so i'm rachel i'm 21 i'm going into my final year of law school in the uk and i'm um, a bit other parts of information about myself so i've studied in australia for about five years and then i've moved to the uk for um uni obviously but i was born and raised here in hong kong just like terence
0: nice do do people in the uk kind of hear your accent and like you know get weirded out a bit
1: it is a bit funny people typically think i'm very northern until i say the so word. so north mate. that you're in
0: australia
1: <laughs> it's very opposite of the world but yeah sometimes mm-hmm. people find it funny or i'll say certain words that people don't understand like servo meaning cool. service station
0: oh okay like a gas station yes precisely oh, nice. and it's, people don't understand yeah. that that's awesome yeah i mean i, I don't think I have many friends who like speak in Australian accent. So like you, I guess you're the only one. Um, but yeah, so law school in the UK. Are you uh, going into your final year now?
1: Yeah, I'm. I am just about to head into third year.
0: Nice. Is that exciting?
1: It's very exciting actually, and it should be in person this year, which will be a nice change from doing everything online last year. I think I went to campus maybe three, four times in the whole year, and then everything was on Zoom.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I mean. You know, growing up, obviously, in different places, you went to um, primary school here in Hong Kong and then secondary well, a lot of secondary in um, in Australia. Now you're in the UK. Has it been, you know, it must be tough to kind of maintain those connections that you built as you were growing up and, you know, friends and relationships around the world. You know, can you kind of talk us through your experiences with that?
1: Yeah, of course. So I think I've been very lucky all my life to have very good friends from every walk of life. So I'm still really close with some of my kindergarten friends, and such as yourself, of course. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I'd say I'm still close with some of my kindergarten friends, some of my primary school friends, um, high school friends from Hong Kong, but also Australia, and now I've made a group of very great friends in the UK. So I'd say some of it, it takes a lot of time and effort maintaining these strong relationships because obviously when you don't have the time to see each other in person or even the location ability to do so. It just takes time to actually sit down and send a heartfelt message, updating people about your life, but also checking in to make sure everyone's okay. Because I also understand how when you're not in the same place, sometimes it may feel difficult to reach out and discuss Mm. your problems when all you want to convey is maybe the positive things. So it does take understanding and empathy to really develop these relationships so that other people on the other side of the world can still feel like, you are part of the support system.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've gone through a similar thing, obviously going to boarding school in the UK and now being in the US. And, you know, I think, I don't know about you, but for me, you know, long-term, I always knew that I was going to, you know, come back to Hong Kong and kind of build a life here. So I guess flipping this into a question for you, how, while making these, or like building these relationships in the moment, how do you balance that and also your future expectations of, you know, potentially never seeing these people ever again once you graduate, for example? I, I, I mean, it's a it's a very scary thought that's gone through my mind, at least. Um,
1: yeah, it's a good question, actually. I do think sometimes it's very difficult for the friends you've made here in Hong Kong. You know, at some point we'll have to come back and visit family, mm. see some friends. So you will stay in contact with them no matter what, even if it's a text every couple of years, even. But, whereas some of my friends in Australia, it does haunt me knowing it may be at least 5 or 10 years before I see them again. So, with some of my really close friends, we've planned trips together, we've been on trips together. But, other than that, it does feel a bit daunting knowing you won't be able to live in the same place maybe in the near future. Or that you miss out on experiences such as, you know, going home up for a night out together and just Mm -hmm. sitting and talking about life or whether it's going to a spin class at 10 a.m. together. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit sad to think about those moments, but I think, once again, it just comes back to time and effort to set up a continual Zoom call every three or four weeks.
0: Yeah. Oh, we love Zoom. We love Zoom. Zoom.
1: The power of technology. (laughs) Or even if it's just on your way home after work and sending a very long voice message just to Mm. catch someone up on your life. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think I know where I want to spend the rest of my life just yet. I'm not as certain as you to know that I want to live back here in Hong Kong. So I think I'm open to exploring possibilities. But I believe that just knowing that there are such great people in my life, I don't feel like I'm alone or very isolated from them. And hopefully when we get to travel soon again, that'll make the connection a bit easier.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, am I for one, am very, very excited to get traveling again you oh, know for sure. I've got a couple of friends um well after winter um they're gonna go study abroad in Europe and I'm definitely planning a trip there <laughs> um, at some point but yeah I don't know does that does that kind of adjusted expectation change your uh, or I guess how how you live day to day with them you know knowing that potentially you might you know, never have, never relive these moments again, do you think you treasure the present more, um, knowing this kind of uncertainty, or at least not knowing where you want to be in the future?
1: Oh, definitely. I think um, every morning I just try to remember that it's a great day to have a great day, it's a great day to make new experiences, and even if it's something like going out to lunch, it's a new experience that you get to share with people around you, so it does make every moment count a bit more, and it makes it less... i suppose monotonous but it is quite sad sometimes if you're in one of your favorite cafes with your favorite people Mm -hmm. knowing oh i don't know when the next time i get to do this is but i suppose another really good thing about having people across the world is that you get all the travel opportunities true you get to revisit some of the places that you've loved or make new memories with people just exploring a whole new country
0: yeah absolutely I i remember this time when well actually last year spring break so before covid um I went to the UK, I went back to the UK to um, visit some friends and and stuff, and I actually took two of my really, really close friends from Hong Kong, who now study there, uh, to my boarding school to just show them around and see the breeding grounds and stuff. Oh, that
1: is very sweet.
0: Yeah. I mean, for me, it was very nostalgic, and for them, it was like, you know, a window to to peep through um, and see where I grew up for you know five years and yeah um, it's just a completely different world I think
1: yeah um, I love when your world gets to collide like that yeah. a friend of mine from Melbourne one of my best friends there she came for a very short layover visit here in Hong Kong mm. and I got to take her out on our nightlife but also took her to cha and it was a very surreal experience knowing that we shared almost every living moment in Melbourne did she, did she miss
0: her flight or
1: no she was fine we woke up after a, bit, a night out a bit rough mm. must admit but she made her flight just fine and I went to work perfect. the next day everything was perfect
0: <laughs> yeah that's awesome I mean bring it back to uh, Hong Kong I guess um, you know you went to one of the most prestigious I I, I dare to say um, primary schools in, uh, in Hong Kong which is a, a local school and you know the stereotype of local schools versus international school, is that local schools have that kind of added layer of pressure, competition, um, Mm -hmm. high expectations. um, And, you know, I'm not discounting any international schools from having that because, you know, the ones that we went to afterwards were, you know, very, very uh, rigorous too. Um, How do you think that experience has shaped you? And also, you know, how do you find that balance between Uh, Finding ambition um, in things you really want to pursue, or you know things that you might have been forced to pursue.
1: Hmm. Question. So I think in terms of being in a local school, when you're that young, I think I started there when I was five or six. You you start to adapt to your environment, and you just take it for granted that whatever is given to you is the way you should be living. So when you're in that environment, everyone there is encouraged to be very academically driven, you want to get your A's, you want to do as well as poss- humanely possible. Whether that means coming home after school, even as a six year old kid, and going straight to do your homework, making sure everything's on top or even above of everyone else's standards. So that kind of breeded um, bred the ambition in me, where I always want to do the best possible and be the best version of myself. But at the same time, I do think it adds a lot of pressure when you're that young and you're taught to believe that this is the only way you can live your life. You focus on what you can achieve and what you can show people that you've achieved. Mm. And in turn, you get a bit less time to explore who you are and what you are personally interested in. So, for example, I remember spending most of my time just on homework and then um extracurricular classes, improving my performance on such homework, but less time to figure out whether... I was um, a sporty person, what sports I'm into, whether I like other languages. And I did think it took a bit of a toll. Whereas yeah. when I switched over to international school, I had a bit more time to know that I was doing just fine academically, but also a bit more time to reflect on who I am and explore my interests.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the the idea of you know perfectionism in whatever your craft is, is, is something that crops up A lot um, whether that's academics or you know I I know a lot of kids who went to local schools who you know only did one sport and you know that's all they did they didn't study they didn't do anything but they perfected that craft and you know there's the debate that comes up which is you know this mental toll um, Hmm. or or, you know physical toll even Uh, do you think that's worth it for some people to sacrifice that, you know, sacrifice social life, sacrifice the uh, ability to find other passions in order to, you know, perfect your craft, to to be the best of the best. Um, Do you think it works for some people?
1: I think it, yeah, very much so depends on the type of person you are. For example, some people who are that focused and driven want to know that whatever they touch or whatever they do, they are the best at it and they know they excel in that area and if it works for them then that's great but for me i reckon in terms of hobbies or even any other thing you choose to pursue you can simply enjoy it because you enjoy it but i don't think there's a need to be the number one at it if you enjoy it and i suppose that idea of perfectionism if you feel like whatever you do you've got to be the best at it kind of takes away the enjoyment from actually just doing the sport or the activity where you feel a bit pressured, so you th- you tend to think, if I'm doing this and I'm still not good at it, what's the point in me practicing? Which becomes a bit more of a competitive endeavor rather than just a relaxing mm. activity. But yeah, I suppose it just takes time to find what you truly enjoy and what you wanna spend your time
0: doing. Would you say you're um, very much a results-driven person or you know a process-driven person?
1: Mm. I think I definitely think I'm a results driven person, but not to say I don't enjoy the process of things. I think you take joy looking back at the process and knowing you've developed, you've learned from the experience and you've ultimately resulted in the result part Mm -hmm. of it. So, for example, if I'm going for a run or if I'm doing some weights at the gym, it's very gratifying knowing you've run just a mile further and quicker than you did previously, or you can do a few more plates than you did before. But at the same time, looking back, you realize how much you've grown just by pushing yourself that much further and actually putting in the dedication of it.
0: Yeah, completely. Um, there's also, you know, this school of thought where, um, some people put in so much effort into an endeavor, um, so much so that they feel entitled um to a certain result um, because of their hard work um how for example uh, you know in your working out or like in academics how do you kind of balance this uh this entitlement and not getting too stuck up on your ego when, when looking at results
1: mm. i think just because someone puts in a lot of hard work a lot of time doesn't mean necessarily that they're entitled to the result that they've envisioned. I think all you can do, I suppose in life, is just to do your best, try your hardest, and enjoy what you're doing. But it doesn't mean that you necessarily have to end up as successful or as competent as you expect it to be. So I think for myself, I live by that philosophy. I try my hardest, I work hard. But I don't think because I have been working hard while other people haven't, therefore it means I should be ahead of the game. because. It doesn't necessarily come down to me. For example, even at the gym, I could be lifting as much as I possibly can, training as hard as I can, but there could just be some genetic component or someone's naturally stronger than me that makes them able to lift heavier. Mm -hmm. Same for academics. I can put in as much time as possible. And there may be other people out there with a photographic memory, meaning they get further ahead and I can't compete with that. But it doesn't mean that my work and my product is any less of value to myself.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, throughout this conversation, you've mentioned sport quite a lot. Um, And I know you and, you know, I know that health and sport plays a pretty big role in your life. Um, How do you see the correlation between health and, I guess, happiness?
1: I think sport is very crucial to having a happy life, just because it helps relieve stress for me personally, very important. So... I tend to go to the gym in the mornings because I feel like I've accomplished something before I've started the day, but also it kind of sets my head straight in terms of having time to think about what I want to do throughout the day or what my goals are. And after maybe a very stressful day, I also like going to the gym to unwind, taking time to reflect on how my day has gone and also what I want to set out to achieve the next day. So I think it's very important to take this kind of time for yourself. To just process to think and but also just enjoy the moment and not be consumed by the rest of your life
0: yeah for sure i mean there's a you know recurring theme in in our conversation um both with sports academic with everything um and you know it's uh you know it seems like there's one aspect where sport plays a role in kind of motivating you um making your day better making it um you know starting it off being productive, but also there's a sense of self-reflection and unwinding and mindfulness that comes with uh, working out. And, And I think that's great that you found this through sports. Do you think working out and health in itself is something that works for you or something that you would encourage everyone to kind of go down and pursue?
1: I definitely encourage everyone just to find some kind of sport and mindfulness activities because Well, firstly, for me, it really helps me be mindful and reflect on myself, but also it's just a good way of getting your body to stay healthy. Um, I think, I see a lot of people who complain that they don't have time or they don't have the energy to do things, they don't have the dedication, but to me, it's about priority. If I put my health as a priority, I put that above scrolling an hour mindlessly on my phone. And to me, that's time well spent. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know speaking of you know self-reflection and I guess growth and personal growth both physically and uh, mentally you know you seem to you know give off this sense of you know I know what I'm doing the sense of kind of bold like security which I in my opinion it's a very good thing Um, how I guess how do you build that yourself is it um, you know something that's internal or uh, are there any other factors that have kind of affected the the way you think and the way you live
1: mm. despite the fact that i think i'm not entitled to anything just even if i work hard i do like setting goals for myself such as where i'd want to be in five years for example i'd want to be a lawyer i'd want to have good health i'd want to maintain good relationships around with the people around me and so knowing what i'm aspiring towards helps keep me grounded it won't let me make any rash crazy decisions and everything I do I feel like it contributes towards my goal and so by doing that it makes me feel like I'm living a meaningful life and um yeah but I think at the end of the day it's important to remember that no one really knows what they're doing so it's an idea of if you're happy with your own life then that should be your goal you shouldn't be comparing yourself to anyone who seems like they've got it all together
0: Mm. yeah I mean with social media and with you know the kind of superficiality of um, you know as you mentioned the fast scrolling past millions of posts i think it's really easy to for others to kind of perceive you as xyz whereas you yourself are something else and you know i find that to be true even amongst close friends um you know there's a certain expectation that's you know kind of unspoken of but uh, an, an expectation nonetheless um that you should be this person you should be extroverted or whatever um you should be social you should be whatever um and i think yeah one thing one thing that i'd like to raise is you know for example me and you we've we go back quite a long way and i think ultimately what i'm trying to say is like people change a lot um how do you think that has been, at least in your life, um, seeing the people change, seeing people grow up uh, around you and, you know, when, when were you kind of aware that people were changing and have you had to make like tough decisions in friendships and relationships because um, of this kind of growth?
1: Interesting. So I think it'd be insane for us not to change after all these years, after all the different things we've experienced. For example, you've gone to the UK and US, whereas I've gone opposite direction to Australia and then UK. But I think at the end of the day, what bonds people is having common interests, but I suppose also similar values in life. And I understand even sometimes among friendship groups, you may feel the pressure to present yourself as how you may like other people to see you. Mm. But at the end of the day, if they are really your close friends, then they'll accept you for who you are. And I also get the saying that your vibe attracts your tribe. But I don't think there's anything wrong with just showing people who you really are.
0: Is that is that an Australian saying?
1: I don't think it is. <laughs> really? I think it's a social media saying actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Never heard of that. That's Interesting. great. Interesting. But um yeah, so if they care about you enough, they'll just love you for who you are and it doesn't have to... Life just doesn't have to be perfect 24-7 because it's not. And even if you are going through something, I do think it's wise to just talk to your friends about it even if you think it doesn't match the vibe. Right. And, um, yeah, I think change is inevitable. And if I do see someone changing to the direction that I don't really approve of or having values that I don't understand, mm. I think what ta- it takes is an honest conversation and just communication and then you get to reevaluate whether you think this is someone you can align with, or whether it's going to be a kind of different type of friendship.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a that, that's all very interesting, and um, there's a concept of which you know people can, you know, your friends can be massive resources. They can put themselves out there. Um, they can, you know, try to initiate conversation with you about anything and everything. They can be super open. Um, and even though all of that is there, all of that is present, there are some people who, for some reason, I don't know, um, you know, are unwilling to kind of accept this. Um, I guess potentially it's a sign of weakness for them. Uh, it hurts their ego to, to be like, oh, you know, you're helping me. That means you're better than me. Um, what, what do you, what do you think of that?
1: I think accepting help and actually admitting you need help or are feeling vulnerable is a strength rather than a weakness, because it goes to show that you know, you are completely self-aware, you know what your limitations are, you know what you're good at, what you would like to be better at, and therefore you ask for help. But I don't see it as a way that, oh, someone might have advantage over me, I feel vulnerable, therefore you shut down. I think anyone who's strong and confident will know that, yeah, of course there are going to be... Aspects that other people excel in, but that doesn't mean that you are a weak person because you also have aspects that you excel in, Mm -hmm. maybe better than other people. So, and I suppose this can be applied to situations of mental health as well. People tend to only want to share the positive parts of their life. Because they think going through anything traumatic or sad even is a weakness, and or oh, if you're a positive person, then you shouldn't feel sad. But I think it also takes strength to admit that you're not feeling as great as you present yourself to be, and then learning how to deal with your emotions and working out how to figure out a tough spot is the true emotional strength.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, there's a there's a saying, "Fake it till you make it," um, and I think. It, it aligns with a lot of what you're saying about confidence and, you know, if, you know, leading a life of, um, achievement, success, happiness, um, and, and also self-awareness, um, you kind of need to build that self-confidence and self-awareness too. Um, to what extent do you agree with the kind of fake it till you make it sentiment of, of everything? Cause I think if you take it too far, you lose a sense of, you know, who you are as a person. But if you don't do it enough, then you're kind of doubting yourself. You're, um, you won't actually achieve or you won't put yourself in positions to achieve the things you want to achieve. So
1: what, what, are, what are your thoughts? I think fake it till you make it applies to where you see other people um, achieve certain things and you feel like that's the standard you want to set for yourself. And in between, you may face imposter syndrome or feeling like competition's too high for you to attain. But then the answer to that should be, okay, I will learn from their experiences. I will improve any shortcomings of myself. Not, I will bury myself in this kind of insecurity or um feelings of incompetence and just try to persevere as if nothing's wrong that's not necessarily the fake it till you make it idea that I have in mind but I just think it's trying as hard as you possibly can and accepting that you're not perfect until you make it really until you are happy with where you are in life you feel like you've achieved certain some of your goals but yeah it's about improving yourself and understanding that you also have limitations
0: so yeah drawing this all into a close just one last question for you Rachel Mm -hmm. um what is one piece of advice that you would give a younger version of yourself?
1: I think a piece of advice I would give a younger me is that you can plan as much as you want to, but things rarely go exactly to plan. So you just got to know, no matter what happens, all you can do is try your best, keep an open mind, have a good attitude, stay positive, and then things will work out just fine.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's golden advice. Um, but yeah, thanks as always for having a conversation love these um yeah thanks for coming on to the podcast glad to have you
1: thank you for having me
0: and there we go another week another insightful conversation with a friend rachel is someone that i personally look up to immensely and to cap it off in her own words it's a great day to have a great day see you next week